Well, welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast for today, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. And today we're going to be looking at the nature of love. Uh, The reading we're going to start with is that famous reading from 1 Corinthians 13. This is from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's lovely, beautifully read. You know, I always think it's interesting when people say the Bible's obscure. You know, you can't really fathom what its meaning is and, you know, irrelevant or complicated. And to my mind, you know, that 1 Corinthians 13 is absolutely right on the money in terms of looking at love. You know, if I speak in the tongue, if I'm, you know, if I'm totally wonderful speaking in the tongue, but, but if I haven't got love, I'm nothing. You know, if I've got prophecy, you know, wizardry, can fathom all mysteries, but haven't got love. I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions away to the poor and, you know, give my body over to if I do all that stuff, but I haven't got love, I'm nothing. And then that love is patient, love is kind. You know, Dalai Lama said, my religion is kindness. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, this is just a litany of, of what, what love is. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What an amazing statement. Love never fails. And now three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amazing statement. In our generation, I think, there's a lot of confusion as to what love actually is. You know, I love that top jewels. The alarm. You know, I, and we say that I don't want to marry Jules's top, you know, but I love the top, you know. And, and, and my son will, you know, as, I, as the children go to school, they say, love you, like that. And love is used in so many different ways and in so many different phrases. You know, most of popular music is centered around different aspects of love. The sort of romantic love that has all sorts of different meanings when you say it. And different expectations when you say the word love in the, in the romance side. One side of a relationship, when they say I love you, can be completely different to the other side of the relationship. If I say I love you, what I might mean is you are exactly what I'm looking for in my life. I want to possess you and have you as my own. And Jules might hear me saying when I say I love you, I want to spend time with you. I want to treasure you. I want to give you all that you want. And actually, you know, it's going to end in disaster if there are two different types of love from one or the other. And I always think love means different things at different times in a relationship as well. You know, after, you know, after three months, I love you means I can't believe I'm feeling this. I love it. And I love you. Then after six months, it means I can't believe I'm still feeling this. I want to be with you even after I've discovered your less attractive habits. I love this and I love you. And after a year, it's I love you means, wow, we're still together. Even after all those rows, it must be love. Let's get married. After three years, it's granted we're not still in the first flush of life. I love you. But now we're a permanent fixture in each other's lives. And the children are here, so we're going to make it work. <laughs> and then after six years, it's, I've decided to love you, whatever. You are my priority in life. And it varies all the way across the board, love. You know, Valentine's Day in England is different from America. In Valentine's Day in England, I don't know if you used to have this in America, but in Valentine's Day in England, you send a Valentine's card to, your, to the love of your life. And it's generally done when, when it's, you know, it, the singles bit. When it's not, you know, sending it to your wife, you have to do one. But, you know, when you're singles, <laughs> when it's singles, you send a Valentine card to the person that you love and you don't sign it. So they don't know who it's from. So normally in England, a Valentine card is unsigned. So it's, you know, it's all a thing about how many Valentines you've got. So it's all about that sort of romantic love. And you try to work out who it's from and, and all that sort of business. But here it's universal. It's much better. My kids are giving Valentine's to everybody. You know, there's the whole universalness of love. And I think it's interesting. Not only does love, the word I love you, mean different things at different times to different people and, you know, different statements. But actually, 
If you look at the word love, the Greeks had four words for love. And I think that's interesting. Four different words. First of all, the first word for love they had was agape. And that means the sort of brotherly love, the sort of totally not self-interested love, charity, the love of God for man and the love of man for God. That, that was agape. The second love was eros. And that's mostly about sexual passion. The modern words erotas means intimate love. And that, that's a love that, that looks about desire, the fulfillment of desire. That's the second type. Then the third type is philia. That's the third type of love. And that means affectionate regard, a filial relationship, especially parents and children or friends. I can say to Rocky, I love you in a filial sense. And that, that's what that means. And then there's storge, which means love, affection, especially between parents and children. It's about empathy, the empathy that children and parents feel for each other. So four very different types of love. And it's interesting that in 1 Corinthians 13, when you look at the Greek side of 1 Corinthians 13, when you look at it in the actual Greek, the word that's used is agape. The word that is used is agape. And in the King James Version, that's, that's translated as the word charity. And in the old versions of the Bible, it says, Though I speak in the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling, tinkling cymbal. And there abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And I think when you look at the essence, the real essence of what love is, rather than the puffery and all the other bits around it, it is nearer the mark, this agape aspect of it. For me, love, the essence of love, and we're talking about the nature of it's about self-giving. Very different from the erotic love, which is the fulfillment of desire. It's about wanting and getting. In the Bible, it says that God is love. God is love. John 1 John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is the ultimate. God is the ultimate in self-giving. We have our lives. We have everything that we have because of that self-giving of that divine spirit. And the way that we link to God is through love. We become God by loving. God is love. And therefore, when we truly love, we become a channel for God's love. And we become that divine aspect. If God is love, then we ourselves become God. And we take on in our loving some of the beingness of God. Which basically takes us back to last week. We, we, we talked about the idea of dying to what we think of ourselves. The idea that we have of ourselves and the idea that others have of ourselves. We die to that. We let go of that. And we can become less of ourselves and more of God. And when we become more of God, we become more loving. Again, James Finney was here a few weeks ago. And I love that phrase that he used when he was here. He said, God protects us from nothing and sustains us in everything. God protects us from nothing and sustains us in everything. And I think that's just so true. You know, when you think about the love of God, 
you know, that awful thing to say, well, if I love God and do everything I'm supposed to do, I'm not going to get cancer. I'm not going to blah, blah, blah. And we just know that is just not true. We just know that's not true. The love of God doesn't protect us from our lives, but it sustains us. It's, it gives us that love in all circumstances. And the love we're talking about here gives so completely that it leaves us completely vulnerable. We're completely vulnerable. That wonderful prayer of St. Ignatius Loyola, it's a wonderful prayer. Teach me to serve you as you deserve. He's talking to God here. And this is the bit, to give and not to count the cost. To give and not to count the cost. To fight and not to heed the wounds. To toil and not to seek for rest. To labor and not to ask for reward. Save the knowing that I do your will. That is the essence of it. The real essence of love. It's not this sort of all over the place love that's in popular music. And you can hear the different perspectives, the different versions of that love you can hear in the songs that we're singing today. When you listen to the words, they're totally different from this type of love that we're talking about. You know, it's the experience, there's mainly a lot of times we've experienced huge confusion in these love songs, supposed love songs. You know, whereas we're talking about here something that's different. It's not about that erotic desire. It might start with that in terms of personal relations, but the essence of love is not by that. There's a wonderful book, The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. And this is what he says. Falling in love always verges on the abnormal. Is always accompanied by blindness to reality, compulsiveness, and the transference from love objects of childhood. He's not big on falling in love, Eric Fromm. Doesn't seem very good on Valentine's Day if you say this. So I think it has to be, he says. He says, and I like this. He says, love is a decision. Love is a decision. It's a judgment. It's a promise. If love were only a feeling, there'd be no basis for the promise to love each other forever. A feeling comes and it may go. How can I judge that it'll stay forever when my act does not involve judgment and decision. This is Eric Fromm. The main condition for the achievement of love is the overcoming of one's narcissism. The main condition for the achievement of love is the overcoming of one's narcissism. The narcissistic orientation is one in which one experiences as real only that which exists within oneself. The narcissistic condition is one which only experiences as real that which exists within oneself. While the phenomena of the outside world and other people have no reality in themselves, but are experienced only from the viewpoint of their being either useful or dangerous to one. The opposite pole of narcissism is objectivity. It is the faculty to see people and things as they are, objectively. And to be able to separate this objective picture from a picture which is formed in one's desires and fears is true love. The ability to separate the objective picture from that picture which is formed in one's desires and fears is the nature of true love. And that puts the point that love is not really about romance. 
not the erotic love that involves the desire for and possession of the object of that love. It's not about that desire. The Tao Te Ching says the master's power is like this. He lets go. He lets all things come and go. The master's power is like this. He lets all things come and go effortlessly, without desire. He never expects results. And thus, she is never disappointed. She's never disappointed, and thus her spirit never grows old. The key difference between the two types of love is the absence of where's mine. It's the absence of where's mine from the equation. You've got yours, now where's mine? We never get that feeling from our relationship with God. Where's, God, where's mine? God doesn't say that. We never get that feeling from our relationship with God. We just receive and mark uh, as a mark of true love is that it does not look for its own. It does not look. It is that servant heart. It gives without counting the cost. It fights and doesn't heed the wounds. It toils and doesn't seek for rest. It labors and doesn't ask for reward. It's truly self-giving. And do you know something? That true self-giving is a relief. You're not looking to get yours. It's a relief, that true self-giving. It's so exhausting to be always looking, after, looking out for yourself. And I'm not talking about giving away all your possessions. You know, you know Van Gogh used to be a missionary. And he went to, the, went to the miners in Belgium, gave away all his possessions, and his brother had to come and rescue. It's not about that. It's about giving of yourself, giving that essence of yourself, not from your head or ego, but as a function of vocation, being called to give, like Jesus' ministry, to be the still point with love coming through, to be the still point that allows that love to come through, becoming a channel for the divine. Again, that wonderful prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Master, grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive and in pardoning that we are pardoned and in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. That's very different from, now I can't forget this evening or your face as you were leaving, but I guess that's just the way the story goes. You always smile, but in your eyes, your sorrow shows. Now, I can't forget tomorrow when I think of all my sorrow, when I had you there and then I let you go. And now it's only fair that I should let you know what you should know. Can't leave if living is without you. Can't leave, can't give anymore. I mean, what tosh. I mean, that's what, we, that's what we put up as being love. I mean, it's a great song. I love it. I love singing to it. I like all these songs we're having today. I love them, but it's tosh. It's not the essence of love. It's, it's, it's you know, no wonder it's all teenagers. It's really not what love's about. 
Rowan Williams' definition of spirituality that I always come back to is the cultivation. He said that spirituality is the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love. A sensitive, the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love. Now, the love he's talking about is not the love of without you. The love he's talking about is the love, is that love of God where God is. It's the love where God is available to all, easily expressed, not self-interested. And if you want to know which sort of love you're involved in, look at your experience. If you're experiencing peace, then you're experiencing and expressing the love of God. If not, and like most of those songs, those are songs of anxiety. They're songs of fear. And we get caught up in all that stuff. The mark of the presence of God is peace. That's been my experience. And true love, the experience of true love, the nature of it, the fundamental essence of true love is the experience of peace. Amen. Let's pray. We ask you to come into our hearts and show us the nature of true love. Come into our minds and show us the perspective of love. That we may become a channel of your peace. That we may become loving instruments. That we may have the love of Christ within us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we pray for our valley at the moment. We pray for all those on the slopes right now, visitors, particularly people in ski patrol, working on the lifts, instructors. Pray for safety. Pray for our town and all the enjoyment that's here. Again, we pray for safety and pray for your love to be shown here. Pray for all those up and down the valley who are in difficult circumstances suffering, in prison, hungry, unable to speak English, without money. Pray for those in our community we know are suffering. We pray for Bob, Fisher, Patricia Hill, for Shelley Franklin, Paula Johnson, Philip Carter. Pray for those that we know in our hearts that are suffering that other people may not know, we just name them in our hearts quietly. We thank you for all we're given. We thank you for your love in the world. We thank you for the celebration of Valentine's Day and the opportunity for love that it gives. Pray we may exemplify that love in your name. Amen.